So you've taken that cake mix and you've mixed in the flour and the sugar and whatever else you put into a, a cake mix, and you're getting ready to put it into the oven. And yet, for whatever reason, you've convinced yourself, ah, nobody's going to eat this. Wouldn't that seem a little odd? Because you're like, no, you've got all the great ingredients. Look, you've got icing. Who doesn't love chocolate icing? And yet, as a podcast consultant, I changed something the last year, and I'm now doing much more one-on-one consulting because you get unlimited one-on-one consulting with me as a member of the School of Podcasting. Now, if you're not a member of the School of Podcasting, you can still hire me. I'm just letting you know it's a better deal to be a member, and I'm seeing time and time again where people have the ingredients and they're just convinced that nobody's going to eat their cake. And so as this is the first episode of 2023, look, we could do what I've done the last couple of years, and here's the ultimate way to launch a podcast in the microphone and bring your passion in the interface and audacity and Lipson and Anchor Stinks and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, that's really not what is stopping most podcasters. It's the mental part. And so today I'm giving you what you need because I'll put a link out in the show notes where you can go listen to the here's the steps you need to take to launch your podcast. But really, we need to talk about the mental part. And we've talked about imposter syndrome before. And I went out and got a whole bunch of new information that I want to share. And something happened to me and I went, oh, that's why I love podcasting. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. The School of Podcasting is where I give you the courses You hang out with the coolest community, and I give you the courage to press record. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com, and you know I love to talk about planning, launching, and growing your show here, and so we're going to just jump right into it, and that is what the heck is going on, why I've had this thing in my drawer for years. And every time I open up the drawer, it laughs at me, the silly microphone that I bought. And that's my point. In fact, you'll probably hear an ad later that is going to use this theme. Somewhere along the way, I'm talking to you. If you're the person that bought the microphone back when Obama was in office or something like that, it's on the dresser, it's in the drawer, it's somewhere. Maybe it even made it to the hopefully not kitchen junk drawer, you know, where everything goes to be lost. But there was a time in your life when you were like, you know what? I got something to say. And then your brain stopped you because you've done hard things. Have you not done hard things? I know I have. My my pinnacle, not to bring the show down, but my mom died and she, she died before my grandma did. And my brother and myself had to drive to her house to let her know, hey, you outlived your kid. And the whole time, my brother and I are like, how do you, how would I, he, ah, right? We just didn't get it. Now, the good news is, if there is any good news in that situation, is we opened up the door and it just must have been obvious. And she said, mom's not coming home, is she? And we're like, no, that's all we had to say, no. 
So, consequently, anytime something comes up, you go, hey, like, well, at least it's, at least I don't have to go tell grandma again. Right? There's always that thing. You do these things. And I, I mean, we could all list of most of them involve relationships in many cases or jobs or something like that. I remember when I got the job of the head of the podcast track at the New Media Expo, and I was like, I've never done this. But I pulled on knowledge that I previously had and put it together. And one of the running gags here at the School of Podcasting is nobody's going to punch you in the face. Right, Ryan? No one will punch you in the face. Exactly. I mean, we could go on. I remember when I was in college, I was then running a house, taking care of my sister, working kind of almost definitely part time as a waiter and going to school. I was putting myself through school and the last semester, I think I had always taken like seven to nine and I took like 14 credit hours. I'm like, look, I'm either graduating or I'm going to die one of the two, but I can't keep doing this. And that quarter back in the day was quarters was insane, but I did it. So my point is you've done hard things and you are still here because you're listening to this show. So The first thing you have to understand, imposter syndrome is the whole, why would anyone listen to me? I'm a fraud, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm nothing special, things like that. And 70%, as I got into this, I'm in a very heady mood right now because I've been studying psychology for pretty much a couple days here. And there are so many people that have imposter syndrome And we're going to start off with a big name. That's right, Tom Hanks. And that's, I think, when you think you're laying in bed or you get up and you're in the shower in the morning and think, well, it's true, I'm a fraud. (laughs) I'm a cheat and I'm a fraud. But I'm just going to have to accept that in myself. And I think in every TED Talk that I watched, they all mentioned that 70% of people, that includes you, very likely, have this kind of, I'm not sure if this is, you know, I'm a fraud or whatever. 70% of people have this feeling. So in, in a way that you're like, "Ah, I'm nothing special. Well, in this case, you're not special. You're like 70% of other people. If you're sitting there with a microphone in your drawer, gathering dust, one of the greatest guitarists of all time is Eddie Van Halen. And Here's uh, some couple quick clips here from his son, Wolfgang, who joined the band as a kid, as a kid, as a teenager, he joined Van Halen. Can you stop and think about that a second? Van Halen is like one of the biggest bands on the planet. And as a teenager, you join your dad in a giant band. But here's a clip of Wolfgang and Eddie together. And this is when Eddie has gone sober. And the two share another common trait. We both get so nervous. Oakland. Oakland, before we went on, I, I uh, hurled, you know, I blew, blew lunch before we went on. <laughs> That's how nervous I get. Still. Still. Not that he's overcome it. No, Eddie Van Halen was nervous going on stage still. His son is kind of a prodigy and released his first album, and he played every instrument on the album, and yet, when he was talking to Howard Stern... Do you think you're a prodigy, Uh, like your father, like your uncle? I mean, do you think that 
I mean, it sounds to me kind of magical that you can play every instrument and you can play every song at that young of an age. It's it's I, almost do you, do you ever think it's in the blood? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I certainly don't think very highly of myself. I have horrible self-esteem and, and terrible anxiety. So I'm never one to give myself credit in, in, in anything. But, you know, standing back, it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You can play a lot of shit. What do you mean you have low self-esteem in the sense that if I could play the way you play, play the, the all the Van Halen repertoire and then make an album and play every instrument, I would think you'd be a little bit full of yourself. It, I guess on paper I should be, uh, but I'm I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how my dad was. He He had just he was the most anxious person always. That's why he drank, you know, that, that's how he would kind of hide it. He, he was super anxious. That, that why, that's why when he was sober, it was, it kind of took me to, to, to focus him and, and, and harness his anxious energy. Yeah, you're right. I guess all the drinking is just, and it's hard for us to believe that someone who's such a master of something would have any problems whatsoever. Billy Eilish has been nominated for 19 Grammys. She's won seven of those. She won Best New Artist and Album of the Year, and we get a twofer. This is Billie Eilish being interviewed with David Letterman, which, you guessed it, has imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I'm an imposter, like I'm like pretending to be a celebrity sometimes. I, I know a little bit about this. I was talking to a, a, a woman, a very successful woman in television many, many years ago, and she and I acknowledged that we both had the sensation that Ooh, we're we're here by mistake, and <laughs> yeah. soon someone will yeah. say, "Time to go." That's what I mean. Yeah. I feel like I I'm I somehow managed to uh, to f- to pretend that I was a celebrity for yeah. so long that I became one. Right. And later, Dave asked her about winning all those Grammys. You win five uh, the first year. Is that do I have the math right? Yep. And then uh, two the next year. Yeah. And at this point, you're what seventeen. 18. Okay, so the world of uh, grown-up professional music is on you and awarding you. What, what does that do to a kid, for God's sake? You want to know something? What it does is it makes me... F- and this is not an insult to the, the award shows and the awards themselves, but what it does to a kid is makes a kid go... Oh, so these awards aren't, like, if they're giving them to me, then they're obviously mm-hmm. not that <laughs> yeah. valuable. That's the imposter syndrome, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And so I hope you see here how the brain contorts reality to get you to believe that you're not as good as you think you are, or you're not as capable of doing something, or you're not, you don't have the ability to learn new stuff, or you know, oh, me and technology aren't friends. I hear that a lot. You can be friends with technology. I'm here to tell you. Now, this next clip is of Aquafina, who may be known as Nora Loom. She's an American actress and rapper. She's played supporting roles in comedy films such as Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians. And from what I understand, because I honestly don't know this person, but I guess she was discovered on YouTube. I think when you're new and you're entering this industry, it's hard to like validate if you're doing a good job or not. Or like if like, what am I doing? Am I flailing? Like everyone really goes through that and you could be like the most 
kind of seasoned actress that you'll still go through bouts of insecurity. You'll still go through bouts of like, oh my God, like, is that, what am I doing? You know, during Ocean's 8, I remember there's this one, this one scene that I was like, especially very nervous about. And Anne Hathaway kind of like, was like, come here, let me talk to you. And I had just met her at this point. And she kind of gave me the rundown of like, hey, everyone goes through this, like, you're going to be fine, you know? The insecurities, the nervousness, it'll never really go away. But I think a healthy amount of imposter syndrome is always good. I, I think it's, but I don't think, I think that a very unhealthy amount is one that deters you from, from working, from, from doing your job, you know? And yes, I will say if you look for her on YouTube, some of her raps are obviously not work safe. I'll just leave it at that. And one thing I did come across is if you are a woman of color, you are even more prone to be susceptible to imposter syndrome, even if you're the first lady of the United States of America. Here's Michelle Obama, and this is a great clip. Particularly for minorities, you know, there's this feeling like because you've been told that you're not good enough, that when you're in a room, you're wondering, well, how did I get here? If I've been told I'm not good enough, women feel it oftentimes because society says you shouldn't be doing that. Right. So you feel like an imposter in your own life. You feel like especially if you've achieved success or you're in rooms that you're not supposed to be in because society has told you that you think maybe somebody is going to discover that I shouldn't be here. Right. It's like any internal characteristic. Much of it is what you practice telling yourself. And if you've heard that you're not good enough, that's what you're practicing. I'm just here to tell you it is not true. (laughs) You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you didn't belong here. And I also have the advantage of, and I say this not with any level of arrogance or lack of humility, but I have been at so many powerful tables now, right? I've been at, you know, on I've worked in every sector and I've been a a lawyer at a big law firm. I've worked at an academic uh, university, been associate dean. I've been the vice president in community development, run a nonprofit organization. I have worked in the government. I worked with the mayor in the city of Chicago. I worked in the Department of Planning and Development. I was first lady of the United States of America. I've seen these seats. I've served on corporate boards. I've, I've done it. Not all, but I've done a lot. (laughs) And I'm just telling you, there are a lot of people who don't belong there. (laughs) And every table, I thought it was me. And after a little bit, I'm like, nope, it's him. (laughs) It's this guy who's sitting here talking. But they All act the time. so well. They act like they belong. That's because they've been told they belong there. They don't. But there's a presumption. That's what I'm saying. It's in his head, too. He's like, I belong here. And I'm like, no, you don't. Um, so all I can tell you is that the person sitting next to you was told, based on nothing, that he belongs there. And you were told that you weren't. Both things are wrong. Oftentimes. So what I had to learn to do for myself was being, you know, age helps you with imposter syndrome. So I'm 55 now and I've seen it. I've been waiting to be as bad as people told me I would be, you know, (laughs) 
I've been waiting for when I was going to fall and mess up and fail. I've been waiting because that's what they said. I didn't belong at Princeton, right? I applied to Princeton University. My college counselor said, you, you know, that's school's too much for you. Well, I applied anyway. I got in. I was waiting for it to be hard and for everybody else to be so much smarter. They weren't. They weren't. They were just told that they belong there. Same thing was true when I went, applied to Harvard Law School. Maybe I shouldn't be there. Got there. Nope. Nope. They're not any smarter than me. So with all the practice of just going into the room that you weren't supposed to be in and being there and occupying those seats and just doing you and knowing that your thoughts are just as relevant, your experiences are just as important, your insight is just as valuable so that you will share it and use it and practice being there. That's the work you have to do if you feel like an imposter, because he isn't giving up his seat easily. He isn't going to just say, oh, I, I, I understand you don't feel like you belong here. Well, let me make room for you and sit you down and tell you the things you need to hear. They're not going to do that for you because a lot of times they don't even want you there, even when they need you there. So you can't count on somebody else giving you the self-confidence. That's not how we work, you know? And that's why you all are important because you're not going to do that for some kid in your life. You're going to make sure that they never feel like an imposter. You're going to help them practice a different set of messages so they aren't sitting here wondering where they belong in places where we need them. We need women and diverse minds and people who think differently and have different religious beliefs because truth and the right answer comes from diversity of experiences, (laughs) You're needed at those tables. So you can't sit there wondering whether you belong because you'll waste your time in those seats and you'll hold your voice back and you won't be able to make change because you're waiting for somebody to tell you that you belong. I'm telling you, you belong. Practice a different set of messages. Absolutely. Man, I love that clip. Jason Sudeikis, you might know him as Ted Lasso. He was on Saturday Night Live for 10 years. Uh, but no, I definitely felt that when I got hired as a writer at SNL because, you know, I'd, at that point I've been working, you know, trying to figure out how to write for myself for, you know, about 10 years at that point and had barely scratched that. And then I got hired uh, there to, to write for everybody and, you know, everybody else in, in 2003. Uh, and the, I definitely suffered from what I think is affectionately known as imposter syndrome. Uh, to the point where I didn't even unpack the boxes in my, you know, tiny little apartment because I thought they were going to sniff me out immediately and be like, uh, "Hey, you know, hit the bricks." Like if, if you know, you know, I was able to trick them week after week, and you know, ten years later. If you are a fan of Doctor Who, I believe this was the tenth Doctor Who. David Tennant. I think it's just that sense that you're always waiting to be found out. That you're always. It's uh, for me. That's what being an actor is about. Sort of going, oh, this is all. On one level, it's just all a bit silly, and I can't really believe I'm getting away with this. And at some point, someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, come on, you've had your fun. Move on. There's some people who can actually do this. There's some proper actors in the world. Uh, Stop pretending and move on. You're a little wee nyaf from Paisley. You don't really get to do this. It's Um, funny that that even at this place in your career that you've there that voice is still there. Well, because there are no amount of good reviews that won't make you see the one bad one. 
Um, and the one bad one is the one that will somehow resonate with you. Oh, you'll be like, keenly. that's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. All these people who say I'm great, they don't know. Right. Um, so imposter syndrome stops so many people from pressing record. And when we come back, we're going to examine how imposter syndrome is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imposter syndrome can be a good thing. Viola Davis, if you're not familiar with her, she's an Academy Award winning actress. She also won a primetime Emmy and two Tony Awards. She's the only African-American to achieve the triple crown of acting. And here she is talking about why imposter syndrome is maybe a good thing. And this imposter syndrome is still there and you're saying it's healthy. I don't know if it's healthy or not. I'm just saying that it's something that I recognize in all the artists I've worked with. It's in all of them. It's only the people, social media, that says, when you walk onto a set, you got to know who you are. You, you tell me you have the imposter syndrome. That means you got to go into therapy and you got you to gotta just find out. You got to get some more confidence. It's not about confidence. It's about that feeling of always feeling you're in process and that you could be better. There are so many people now who say, listen, when I was 19, 20 and I started my career, I wouldn't do A, B, C or D. And I told my agents, you, unless you get me a great role, I'm not going to get out of bed. I'll stay home and eat ramen noodles. I have to say, 99.9% of the artists I know do not say that. They just take the role. And I'll tell you why. They take the role because every role is an opportunity to be better. It's another opportunity to learn your craft. And let me tell you something. You're learning your craft more with crappy material than you are with great material. That's number one. Number two... A lot of artists will take the role because there are very few roles out there for artists. It's a 95% unemployment rate where only 0.04% of actors are famous. You're going to take the role, especially you got two kids at home that need health care and then you, you have to pay the rent. It is a business about deprivation. And yet there is a pervasive narrative going on out there, which is about being a famous actor, not an actor. And so when an actor speaks and it's diametrically opposed to that famous actor speech, then it's like someone's telling a lie. I know what the actor language is because I've been doing it too long. In every incarnation, I have rode a bus one way for four hours just to get to a play in a church basement in um, Newton, Massachusetts. So I know the language of the artist and the language of the artist is someone's going to find me out. I may not be as great as people think I am. And anybody who even wants to be great has that. But what it does is, of course, you have to have a healthy sort of um, approach to it. You have to recognize it for what it is. You have to keep it in its place. But what it does on a healthy level, it keeps you humble and it keeps you working. Yeah, because if everybody that had imposter syndrome stopped themselves from pressing record, we wouldn't have any podcasts. David Letterman uh, talked about this when he was interviewing Billy Eilish again about there are good sides of the imposter syndrome. I'll tell you something. That's a good side of this to be on because yeah, there true. are other people true. who leap to the other side of it true. and they become incorrigible. They become just jerks. Yeah. And I think we can all agree that there are no shortage of jerks in show business. That is quite a fact. So the point there is you don't want to be the opposite side of the imposter syndrome, which is I should record everything I do because I am brilliant. I think typically the last name starts with a K, something smashy and something. Anyway, they just record everything because I am brilliant. Yeah, you don't want to do that either. But realize your brain is so powerful. In fact, the brain is so powerful that the brain can't comprehend 
how powerful it is. That's an amazing feat. And it will do things that will stop you from doing what you want to do, which is podcast. You have a passion. You bought a microphone. You started down this road and you let your brain talk yourself out of it. Here is uh, David Tennant again, Dr. Who, explaining how when he was doing live theater, his brain would start to talk him out of doing acting as he was acting in front of a live audience. That's where I've, I, I've struggled most keenly with a sort of little demon's voice in your head saying, you can't do this, you can't do this. Not only can't you do this, you can't even, it, it is impossible to remember a sequence of words and repeat them in front of a group of human beings. That's not something, you, you, your brain will start to convince you that that's, that's not something that it's possible for a human being to do, even though you're on performance 100 and you've already done it quite successfully. So, Never underestimate the power of your own brain to talk you into not doing something because it's not something you've done before. And anytime we do anything new, we're a little nervous about it. And I always tell people, realize you don't have to release everything you record. In fact, I I really strongly suggest you don't. You don't have to worry about sounding stupid Unless you put out something where, well, you sound stupid. And at the School of Podcasting this week, and I've seen this so many times, and this is why I I just go, oh, come on. That's why I'm making this episode for you, is I had somebody, and I'm here to tell you, we're talking brilliant people, PhDs. I could go on with the names of people with military backgrounds and all sorts of backgrounds that I'm like, why? Why do I have to talk you into this? And it was interesting because the person said, so really, I just have to go for it. And I go, yeah, just just try it. Just go play. Go play. Remember, it's an experiment. And I got a note back and I said, I don't know why I was so afraid of this. And I was like, well, I, I don't want to say I told you so. I'm just happy that you've got over that hump. I am starting to study more psychology kind of books and courses and things like that because I'm here to tell you it's not the technology that is stopping people from starting a podcast. It's their brain. It really is. Now, speaking of brains, I said at the beginning of the show, there was something that happened to me that I went, oh, this is why I'm into podcasting. And we all have different motivations. Mine is helping people. And a a kind of side effect of that, in a way, is impact. You want to make an impact on people. And this is where, in some ways, I often wonder, is podcasting addicting because of the shots of dopamine that you get? But there is a guy named Mark. We're not going to out anybody here. I don't want to start a feud war or anything like that. But I've mentioned here, and I'll I'll re-explain it, that Listen Notes is a bogus stat. There's this website and people will say, oh, I'm in the top 2% of listen notes of podcasts is what they'll say. They won't even say listen notes. They want to, they really want to polish that turd. So it really, you know, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm one of the top 2% uh, in podcasting. And I'm like, okay, that's of listen notes. And why I don't like that stat is that is against all podcasts, all podcasts. So, you know, that one from like 2008, that had four episodes, guess what? You get more listens than that one. Congratulations. It's a truly bogus stat. And yet I see different consultants using this 
and I was I ran to the mountaintop and screamed to everybody, listen, notes is crap. Please quit using it. Because you're either preying on the uninformed, which is kind of like stealing candy from a baby in a way, or you're you're just going to look like an idiot. And so it just seemed like it was an epidemic of people going, well, I'm in the top 1.5% of listen notes, or I'm in the top 3% of podcasting. And I was just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And finally, I got an email from Brad. Brad said, I've been in, uh, we'll just call him Mark, because his name is uh, Mark. Been in Mark's mastermind group for a number of months. And at first it was okay. I was focused on building uh, an audience. Then almost overnight it turned into build a six-figure income kind of thing. I bet it came with three easy payments. I stayed because of the the growth part and kind of shied away from the get-rich-quick nonsense. And then one day uh, this person posted in the group showing off his ratings in, yep, you guessed it, listen notes. I explained his 1%. Uh, rating is meaningless and even linked to the listen notes page where it pretty much explains it. Yeah. Listen notes isn't trying to hide it. They're just like, yeah, this is what it is. And he said, maybe, but don't sell yourself short. And he said, uh, I started, you know, his, his spidey senses were tingling. And uh, he says, so I just wanted to say thank you, Dave. Cause I made a YouTube video about this. I saw you posted a comment on one of this person's YouTube videos and that he could contact you so you could explain the listen notes problem. And unfortunately he didn't blow you off. Instead, he made a snide comment in return saying something to the effect you want to crap on people's success. But, but I'm here to tell you, and I don't know what this says about me, but the fact that I had one person reach out and say, Hey, I got your message. That is something, again, as a teacher, when I, one of my favorite times was I had a person that I helped get their uh, GED. And this was a person that just came in saying, I'm never going to get this thing. I'm never going to get the math. And I helped him with his math. And I still remember that guy's face coming into my room going, Mr. Jackson, I got it. I passed the GED. That I'm still high on that because he was so down on himself. And so the fact that I reached this guy and he saw the light. And again, it wasn't really an opinion thing. It's on the Listen Notes website. Hey, this is what this means. And this other person is like, look at me. I am in the top 1.5%, whatever. And I'm just like, ugh, if that's how you have to sell yourself, I guess. So impact. I know a lot of us do jobs sometimes, whatever it may be, that you kind of don't feel like you're really making a mark. You're not... uh Marking your territory? Is that? No, probably not a good example. But you're not leaving the world with, I don't know, something to remember you by. And a podcast is a great way to do that. It's a great way to meet millions of people without meeting millions of people. So if you're kind of an introvert, guess what? You don't really have to meet anybody. You can actually do this. Now, it's much better if you get out and mingle with your wherever you think your audience is. But if you want to do it from the comfort of your spare bedroom, again, you can meet millions of people without actually meeting millions of people. And when you try it, you'll either end up with a great podcast that's impactful, or you'll end up with a great story about that time that you started a podcast. And that's why I have a 30 day money back guarantee. So, 
don't let imposter syndrome stop you from pressing record and then eventually pressing publish. And on the other hand, don't be that person that's like, I need to publish everything I do because I am just brilliant. We don't want to be that either. I hope that you're kind of right here with me in the middle. And I'm going to be speaking at PodFest in a couple of weeks in Florida. And I'm here to tell you, I've been speaking for years. I used to teach classes every single day. And I still, my hands get really white, whiter than usual. And they sweat about five minutes beforehand. Can't figure out why. I just know they do. I acknowledge it. And once I start, it goes away. And so when you start to go down the road of starting your podcast and you hear that little voice in your head go, yep, that's the thing that's just going to happen because it is, I'm one of those 70% of people that have that little voice in the head and push through any way. Because again, you've done hard things and I'm here to tell you, this is not as hard as you think it is. And I would love to see what we can do together. You know, I mentioned experiments earlier, and as I record this, it's January 1st of 2023, and last night I stumbled across Miley Cyrus ringing in the new year, and the lead singer of the Talking Heads, David Byrne, came out, and I was like, there's a phrase you don't hear a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, David Byrne and Miley Cyrus. It's very much a a chocolate-covered fish sticks kind of thing going on there. And I was like, oh, I have to watch this train wreck. And uh, I'm here to tell you, it was uh, very different, very odd. Not sure it will go viral, uh, but I want to applaud NBC or Miley Cyrus or whoever said, hey, let's try to find somebody who was popular in the 80s and bring them on so we can get an older demographic because it was odd. And then he sang with the one singer that has the hair over her face, Sia, I think is her name. That was weird. But on the other hand, I remember it. I kept walking through and it was like, here's somebody else. And, you know, here's somebody else and blah, blah, blah. But I was like that, that stood out. And so if you're thinking your idea is weird or different, sometimes weird and different makes you stand out and it might make, people then talk about your podcast because I'm talking about it now. So thank you so much for tuning in. I've talked about this in the future. These episodes are just about ready to come out of the oven. I'm going to talk about how to make decisions because again, this is another thing that is holding people back from starting their podcast or it slows it down. And I threw out the, the teaser that these two questions I asked myself Save me almost a $1,000, and I think that's going to be next week's episode. I've also still got the one about having an email list for your podcast. That's uh, that's just about done. I'll have to go and check and uh, get the official episode. You know, you stick the little stick in and it lets you know if it's done or not. It's, you know, the little red dot just pops out of the episode when you look through the oven window. So thank you so much. If you need help starting, planning, growing, launching, monetizing your podcast, You can put me in your pocket, go to DaveInYourPocket.com, and we can do this without calendars. It's coaching without calendars. That's DaveInYourPocket.com. Or I'm here to tell you, it's the best value in podcasting on the internet, the school of podcasting. We've got courses, we've got community, and 
the courage to help you press record. It's all there. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, and I will see you next week. Until then, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed.